Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Now I'm delighted to welcome to the show actress, activist, global icon and now author Pamela Anderson. How are you, Pamela? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Um, And listen, I think you're at home in Canada again now, aren't you? Have you been gravitating back to your roots recently? Oh, that happened a couple of years ago. Yes, I came back to Canada to a little, to Vancouver Island, back to the little ranch, little farmhouse that I grew up in. I had bought from my grandmother about 30 years ago. So I've been renovating over the last couple of years and just kind of reflecting on my life and writing about it. Yeah, and and I've been reading your book and indeed watching your documentary. It actually feels that sometimes maybe you're happiest, are you, when life is simple and you're just by the beach and you had that time by the beach in L.A. with just being a mom to the two boys? That was my favourite time is was when the kids were little and we were all together. Um, Yeah, other than now, I mean, now is another great time in my life. I feel great. This last year, I really took the time to be alone and be on the property where I grew up and go back and go through those chapters of my life and really feel those feelings and paint the pictures of... of, um, those times it was really helpful it was very therapeutic and kind of set me free a little bit I I don't think I've been this happy in a long time (laughs) wow why did you decide it was time to reclaim your own story well I've been kind of this weird it felt like I was a little bit of an observer of my life a lot of the time since I my career started in Los Angeles and I just you know kind of went with it and I but now and my kids are the ones who said, mom, you need to tell your story. I mean, they didn't even know all the, you know, the all the gory details, of, especially of the um, some trauma that happened in childhood. But they knew I'd overcome a lot and that my story was so different than what they knew. And they just wanted their mom to be seen for who she is. And so they really encouraged me to write my book, which I'm always writing. I'm always doodling. I'm always, I'm a big journaler. And and um, so they thought it'd be really easy for me, but it was, it was difficult, but I, I wrote the whole book myself. I didn't have any collaborator, no ghostwriter. I worked with an editor and it was such a great thing. And I, it was life or death for me. I had to write my story, but I had to write every single word. And I was just, you know, I was, I was crazy about that. So it yeah. happened and now it's out and it's getting such, I'm really pleased with the response and people have been so wonderful. And I feel like I can, I can breathe now. It's all out there. You're set free. <laughs> I'm set free. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And listen, you're a lovely writer. Some of the book is in poetry form. And did I see somewhere that the whole book originally was going to be one big, long, epic, epic <laughs> the poem? Is that Bhagavad Gita? I don't know what it is. No. Um, <laughs> I wrote a 60-page proposal, but it was all, they called it poetry, but that's just how I write. I kind of write in a column. I, I kind of write funny, I guess. And um and no punctuation and all that stuff that you need to write a book with. So it kind of became 60 pages. Then it came like, you know, hundreds of pages of poetry. And then we had to shape it into the book. And we had to kind of make this, you know, part poetry and part um, and explain things a little bit differently in full sentences and paragraphs. That was the thing that I had to learn. But I loved it because it was a challenge and it was just, and I love to learn new things anyway. So now I know how to write a book. Yeah. Crazy. You can do it again. Listen, there, there's a lot in there that I think will surprise people about you. For example, you're a voracious reader. You're very into poetry. You're very into art. 
Carl Jung has been a, a kind of a big influence on you and your thinking as well, hasn't he? Which I thought was kind of interesting because he deals in myths and archetypes and stuff. And you've you almost became in your life, I suppose, an American archetype and a kind of a, a myth. <sighs> Maybe for something. But yes, Carl Jung was very influential. I really loved studying psychology for no reason except for just self-education. I wasn't in school taking psychology, but I loved and then when I had boys, I thought male psychology was important. And I would read a lot of Robert Bly and, you know, Iron John. And and my grandfather is Finnish. We spoke Finnish when I was younger. And he'd read to me both inches mythology. And we talked about fairy tales and mythology all the time. So it's been with me since I was little. And I always felt fairy tales were important. And it's just a fascination of mine. And, and yeah, I... What, I, what is I, it that you... That, what do fairy tales connect you to, do you think? I feel like it's it's um, nature, just this kind of uh, poetic wisdom, uh, mythology, the interpreting myths, like individuation of fairy tales. Marie-Louise von Franz was someone that I, I love to read. It's um, a collective... Um, poetry and the unconscious i think it's something yeah. that really taps into so much in this like you said archetypes and symbolism and and it's like a deeper it's such a it's like a deeper discussion it's hitting you from all angles on all different levels of who you are not just your words or what you're saying but it's like the the root of all of us and i just i just have always that's why kind of living this little bit of a it was superficial life, I guess I could say this career, I had to have some meaning and, and, you know, also involve activism, but I also felt like I never was doing what I was capable of. I felt like I had created a kind of a, a caricature, but I'd hoped that one day I'd be able to do something great, like Broadway or write a book or, and all these things are happening at once. So yeah, I guess yeah. you just have patience. It, it happens. <laughs> yeah, you've, wait, you've waited a while, but but you got there yeah. eventually. We we yeah. I want to come back to some of that, but I want to ask you about another thing that you mentioned this a couple of times in the book, and I was quite surprised by it. And I'm interested in adults who talk about being shy because we talk about shy kids, but you say that you're a shy person really, and paralyzed by it at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was awful, a terrible feeling. I felt a lot of most likely shame and embarrassment of maybe some things that had happened to me when I was younger. And I just, I was so shy. I was so painfully shy and I um, hated it. And I just felt I had to do something crazy to break that. And, and, you know, and, you know, I'm, and, and, I'm, and was, was, was that playboy then that, that allowed uh, you, you know, to escape that shy girl? Yes. Well, that helped. And then, you know, then I was, <laughs> I really, I really took my power back, you know. I really kind of, um, with with a vengeance, I I became not shy. And it took a <laughs> faith. It was really scary, and you know. But you know, once I realized, no, nobody, you know, we all care so much about we're all we're our own worst critics. That other people aren't looking at us the way we're looking at ourselves, and so I had to learn that. And then, you know, then then all bets were off. Then I went a little wild. Yeah, you did some stuff <laughs> then. Yeah, the yeah. You say men are your downfall. Why do you say that? Because they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, I, I'm a romantic, you know, and I, I still believe in the fairy tale. I still believe in, um, 
uh, romantic love and and you know like they say Robert A. Johnson has these great books he she and we where he's talking about Tristan and assault and how romantic love is not sustainable and that crushed me because I thought well that just means I'm probably going to have multiple relationships <laughs> okay because you you basically get bored when the initial bit is over when the kind of crazy and love bit is over you're not interested in the happy ever after then i am interested in happy ever after my red line is usually you know violence or um something it's it's never it's you know i, I it's not that i'm bored yeah it's that sometimes things get out of hand and I, I'm, I, you know, I've seen too much of that in my life and I, and I would get really scared and run away. And do you think you've been attracted to the wrong kind of man, Pamela? Well, maybe the wrong kind of man have been attracted to me. <laughs> I don't chase anybody. It's kind of just been the, you know, the yeah. pond of Hollywood and, and, you know, and I always was uh, seduced by, musicians i love music i'm in i feel very artistic and you know with poetry and writing and lyrics and music always was very captivating and very easy to sweep me off my feet with music yeah it's very clear that uh tommy <laughs> lee was the big love of your life wasn't he well he gave me two beautiful kids and so have to thank him for that yeah i've loved other people but yes tommy and I and the boys, when the four of us were together, that was the true love story of my life. Yeah. The four of us. It feels a bit like you never got over him. Probably not. I mean, do we ever get over anybody? Yeah. I mean, I tried to. I mean, I went on and I, I married other people. But I just recently, when I was looking back and writing my book and looking at old videos and things, thinking I was really in love. I was really happy. Like I really loved my boy's father. And... You know, you can kind of just dance around it and put it behind you. And there's been times I've been angry and times I haven't thought of him. But, you know, I have to honor that and thank him and, and forgive him and all those good things. And it's it's kind of feels, I feel free of it, but I I can't um, deny that um, it was the best time in my life. Yeah. Except for yeah. now. Like I said, I'm feeling good now. Of course, of course. Listen, <laughs> the, the beginnings, I guess we were aware of it at the time, but I had forgotten that basically he followed you down to Mexico and then he went out for a night and then he pretty much got married. Yeah. Didn't take much. Well, he did. He followed me down to Mexico. I was on a photo shoot and he said, I'm coming to Mexico. And I said, oh my gosh, please don't come to Mexico. <laughs> and then he said, oh, I'm on the plane. I'm drinking whiskey. I'm eating peanuts. I'm going to be there. I'm going to find you. And uh, actually, funny enough, it was around Valentine's Day. It was around this time, I guess, that many years ago. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. That was it. And we had a great few years and, and we have two beautiful boys. So and yeah. they've turned out just wonderful, despite the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, your dad then, weirdly, was probably a bit like Tommy in a way, but, you, you know, he was a bit of a wild guy. But your parents stayed the course and you do seem to almost envy them that, that they got through a, a lot of stuff and a lot of messiness on his part and stayed together. Yes, that that's the... They're, they're my heroes. I mean, my parents are still together. They're madly in love, even more madly in love than they were from day one. I mean, they are 
Oh, my dad's a poet. He's always written my mother poetry and they've had a lot of ups and downs and there's, you know, alcoholism and all sorts of stuff thrown into the mix. But my mom was always the funny, bouncy blonde. And my dad was always the Elvis type slick back hair and cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve on a motorcycle. I mean, it was the bad boy yeah, and the, and the, and the bombshell. So yeah. Yeah, I guess I kind of did that, but I also... <laughs> yeah, kids, as I we say in Ireland, you didn't lick it up off the grown Pamela, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good expression. Yeah, no, yeah. But I mean, like, you can have I that. My mom, what I say to my mom is, I think with um, some of the hard times, I said, I understand that, you know, with, with us, he she chose my dad. And, and in my situation, I was too afraid to choose Tommy. I chose my kids. I wanted my kids yeah. to be safe. I, I didn't want them to see violence in the house. I didn't want them to grow up in a any kind of in that kind of environment. And so, I mean, not to say that I put other people in their life that weren't, you know, roses and sunshine. I just kept on trying. I guess. Yeah. We all just this. We can't. <laughs> Listen, you got to keep trying. It, yeah. It was. I. I kind of found it a bit heartbreaking because I know that Tommy was. He was very jealous. Eventually, there was that incident of assault and everything. But yeah. it felt like you knew you had to leave Tommy, but you really didn't mm. want to, did you? Of course not. No. The hardest job in the world is to leave someone you love, and when all you want is for them to love you, not yeah. hurt you. And I think that's struggle for a lot of women and I've had so many women come up to me and talk to me about their stories and and it's been so touching these last few days since the book came out if it's you know on an airplane or in a airport or in the hotel or anything I've just been getting so much support and love and and tears and all sorts of things so I'm glad it's touched people because I was scared I was like I'm putting this book out either people are going to think I'm crazy or there's other people out there just like me I don't know Oh, no, listen, Pamela, I think what you've done is that you have created a moment of authenticity. And I think people always love that. And you've done something very authentic and put it out there. Um, listen, getting back to um, your story, a, a big part of the a fulcrum kind of in your life, I guess, was was that unauthorized release of a sex tape uh, of you and Tommy. Do I get the sense, partially at least, that you blame the release of the sex tape for ruining your relationship with Tommy? Well, I mean, these, this, uh, the safe at the size of a refrigerator was stolen out of our house. It had all sorts of things in the safe. And I guess there were some home movies in there that they took some of the pieces and put them together, sliced them together. There was no sex tape made. Yes, it yes, was I beg your pardon. Yeah, family. Yeah. It was private yeah. and yeah. Um, it was stolen property. But yeah, it was difficult. It was already difficult. You know, we were getting to know each other and we were pregnant and we were um having babies and and dealing with the a lot of attention and then this being stolen it definitely took its toll it definitely it was it was a lot and yeah. it took its toll i don't think either of us were mature enough to get through it but i'm sad we let i feel like in some ways we let our kids down but he's doing great Brent and Tommy's you know happily married and he's good and you know I don't want to be the annoying ex-wife that just is keeping going on about this it's just a small yeah, part yeah. of my life story gotcha. but I um you know I wish the best for everybody and, and we're all in a good place there's no bad feelings there's no hard yeah. feelings anywhere I, I forgive everybody that's ever hurt me in my life and I think that's a healthy thing to do yeah healthy for you too um yes. <laughs> listen it's funny you say that thing about that you were too young to to 
to deal with that at the time because you do forget like that you really were kind of just kids and there's a piece of footage in the um, documentary Pamela which was after Brandon was born and after the release of that tape and the press had turned really vicious Tell me about yeah. that night you went out. Brandon was just a baby and you said, you said we'll get one night out like. Well, my mom was the one who encouraged us to go out because she could tell that, you know, Tommy was a little restless and it's just like, you know, you can still go have fun and, you know, you guys can go do some, the baby's okay with us and please go enjoy. And then we had those photographers saying, you're a drug addict. Where's your baby? Where's your drug fiend? And and then pepper sprayed us and then, and we were just trying to set us up. And then Tommy threw a photographer out of my face and, you know, he rolled down the hill and broke a hip. So um, there was a lawsuit. It was, it was. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, but if, if anyone watches, if people watch that that uh, yeah. clip, they will see how in your in your faces these guys are, and the way they taunt you and goad you and everything. I mean, any any uh, young kids in that situation would have found it very difficult. Did did the release of the tape uh, ruin your career as well, Pamela? I don't think it helped. Yeah, um, I've already been. You know, I I know I I. I did really want to be an actress. I did was trying to like I did start really feeling like this is an interesting career. But also having babies, I thought I'm just going to turn all my attention to my kids. Obviously, that's what you do when you're a mother, and I think it's the most important job in the world is to be a parent. And I am so I was blessed. It don't it, I don't know, but the the career part, maybe that's what I get to do now. Who knows? Now I have all this to draw from. You never know. Mm-hmm. And listen, I have to say from what I saw them in the documentary, they're two fine lads you have there. You should be very proud oh, of them. Thank you. Thank um, you. We talked about that that kind of idea of you almost becoming, you know, that kind of archetype of the, the, the American blonde or whatever. And I suppose the whole story here in a way, Pamela, is it of you as this human being that we're getting to know properly now, having to live in a kind of a myth that is made up by other people, maybe like you say, the image was bigger than me and it all was one. Yeah. I, like I said, it felt like I was observing. I was observing. I was watching something happen to somebody. It didn't feel like I was even, you know, in my body at times, but that was the myth. And now I get to tell my story, which has been really incredible and a great, great feeling. It must be quite corrosive to have lived like that for years, though, with other feeling other people owned your narrative. Yeah, it's been hard. No, it has been hard. It has been hard. And I've, I've done a lot of stupid things in the last couple of decades, too, to kind to try and avoid those feelings, too. I mean, that's what we do. I think that's why people drink, right? That's yeah, what we drink. Yeah. But I haven't, you know, I'm not I'm not sober, but I prefer myself. You know, I don't need any alcohol. I don't need it. And I, I just really want to confront my feelings about at all and I want to stay clear-headed I get a lot more done and you know I feel a lot better healthier look better everything I mean that's just I think that was part of my little you know rebellious side yeah trying to you know get through things and so I'm really it is hard you do get restless There there are painful moments but you need to face them and it's been an interesting journey on these last few years yeah, it's interesting that you you kind of take ownership of it yourself because I think what a lot of people are now thinking, looking back, and maybe we were all complicit in it in a way, is that 
we maybe thought you were in on the joke or the media thought you were in on it and that you were using the media for your career or whatever. But looking back now, I think people are getting the sense that you were a bit of a victim maybe of a kind of kind of patriarchal kind of media. Well, I don't really like to say that I'm a victim. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that. I just feel like this was my life and this was how I learned to navigate it. And um, looking back as an adult, you know, as, as, as more of a clear-headed person at this point where I had the time to really reflect on it all, yeah, there's some of it that might have been unfair and um, misogyny was always kind of present, but it was something that we just smiled through. And I thought that's just how you dealt with it. And it, dealing with it, never really having any opportunity of dealing with it because, you know, you, you just keep on something else happens and something else happens and it compounds and compounds and, you know, it accumulates. And, and, um, and then I just sometimes go, wait, stop. Let's, you know, just, I have to get back into things that I really love. If I'm drawing, if I'm painting, if I'm, if I'm, you know, taking photographs, I'm, you know, there's all these really, there's a lot of things that I love to do. Writing is a huge part of my life and how I know how I'm feeling. And, and then I figure it out. It's just like it, but it's ups and downs and that's what life is. And and I feel in such a good place right now. And I'm so happy, like I said, that I, that it's out because, you know, the anticipation was really scary. (laughs) Was Was it? Yeah. Was it really? I was like, oh no, everything's coming out at once, even the documentary. So I thought, well, I'll write my feelings about my entire life. And then the documentary will be the proof that I was actually there. (laughs) Some of the things that I write about in the book, I'm like, gosh, I mean, it's so, it just seems so wild. Yeah. But is the wildness gone completely? You're not going to stay up there by, by, by the water up in Canada forever. You'll get bored again (laughs) and do some, have another crazy phase, will you? Oh, I have. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always, like I said, I'm always doing something and that's my home base. I just moved my parents onto my property so I can be closer to them in their elder years. And, you know, I don't know, they, they kind of, it's a little annoying to them that they have this famous daughter, but um, they appreciate the beautiful ranch and all the gardening and these fun things we get to do and beautiful. Yeah. We have a really great life there. So with lots of dogs and, and, it's my quiet place. It's my sanctuary. But yeah, I love, I, I'm, I'm going to get out more and more. Now that I've put this kind of behind me, I'm going to get back out in the world again. I think, I think you could have a whole new lease of life as a whole different kind <laughs> of person altogether after this. You never know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think a kind I of a, would you think of happen. going in an opera kind of direction? In a what? An Oprah kind of direction. Oh, like a talk show. People have asked me, you know, these really strange things are coming up all the time, but I, I don't know about Oprah, but maybe. I th- Pamela, I, I think now that you've revealed yourself as this Jungian with the soul of a poet and everything, and this, this person yeah. who is, you know, suddenly uh, putting all this authenticity out there, I think... Um, I think possibly you could start getting other people to do it. I, I guess in the meantime, your your activism is probably one of the most important things in your life, isn't it? That and making pickles and really? jam and mustards and cooking. And, you know, I'm a, I'm vegan. So, I mean, I'm always thinking of ways to make cool vegan things like vegan cheese. And, and I'm canning vegetables and making tomato sauce because I have so many tomatoes. And I just, you know, I'm having a ball. Yeah. I'll always find something fun to okay, do. Okay, but let's be honest here. Vegan cheese does not taste like cheese, you'll admit. I don't remember what cheese tastes like, so I'll take my vegan I'll tell feather. you what, 
Pamela, cheese is really good. It's so, if, if you melt it, it's so gooey and delicious. It's oh, fantastic. I, 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 I just know you don't get that with your vegan cheese. What do you pickle? Well, cucumbers and pickles, pickles and vegetables too, like asparagus, but, and beans, but I prefer, you know, um, my aunt, my great aunt has all the pickle and mustard awards on the Vancouver Island. So I've got a great family recipe. <laughs> really? Okay. Would you share it with us? That's not difficult, actually. Okay. <laughs> not difficult. And the probiotic cabbage and things like that. Are, are you going to share the pickle recipe? You're avoiding giving me the pickle recipe, Pamela Anderson, recipe, aren't you? Well, it's cucumbers, it's distilled water, it's white vinegar, it's 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 caraway seed. What is it? It's, it's, there's lots of salt and there's like there's um you know peppers. I see. I see what you're doing here. You're, garlic. you're keeping the garlic. family secret in the family. You're deliberately now not giving me. You got to know a, how to make pickles by <laughs> by by your you know you, just, you can't. It's not something you need to read a recipe for. It's just. Okay. Common sense. You can go common sense. Or you you could go by feel with that, I guess. Yeah. Um, the documentary ends uh with you coming to New York where you do the musical Chicago and uh it was a yeah. triumph. You can dance and you can sing. And it it feels does that? this feel like a new phase for you, or was that just something you've done and you go, Okay, I did that, I showed I can do that. There you go. I just like to I just like to see what I'm made of. I think always think if someone else can do it, I can do it. I would remember I was remember talking to I talking to the voice I was taking voice lessons and you know a vocal coach and you know everything is a muscle, everything you just learn and you just gotta learn to do it. But I kept asking her, like, how can I have this really great voice like this person or this person? She goes, No, you're born with that. But you really have to, but you can sing if you have pitch and you have you know the desire and you know you know how to work your voice so i learned so much i love i learned like i love learning things i love learning things every day so i mean this was just and it came right at the right time for me i was editing my book in the daytime and i was on stage at night where i felt very free and safe listen can i be very nosy and ask is there a man in your life there isn't there's i have five dogs and that's enough <laughs> i'm avoiding yeah, even even your son. Okay, I knew I shouldn't have asked the nosy question. She suddenly had to go. That's not why I'm getting Listen, off the phone. Nothing scares me. Can I ask? I wrote everything about it. There's no secrets. I know, I know. Can I ask you one question before you go? Sure. You write in the book that celebrity felt like a strange disease that you couldn't wash <laughs> yeah. off. You've managed yeah. to wash it off, have you? Well, partly the bad parts. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, here's to the next phase. Pamela Anderson, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. The documentary is on Netflix now. It's called Pamela Love Story. The book is called Love, Pamela, and it's published by Headline Books. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you. Say hi to them all in Australia. Bye. I will. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1.